Hey everyone, this is Siobhan with the Creative Outsiders Podcast, where we connect the dots for women storytellers. Basically, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dream. For creatives, by creatives, location locks. Wish you could find production staff that's professional and easy to work with. Do you lose a lot of time trying to find the perfect location? Then you'll love Location Lock, a peer-to-peer marketplace that offers filmmakers and content creators like yourself the opportunity to book locations and services needed for your next big project or event. Location Lock can also help spread the word about your next open photography session or casting call. It's a win-win. Visit LocationLock.com today and get started. And today I get to sit down and chat with Emmeline and I'm so excited, ready to get in our conversation. So let's just welcome her on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. And I didn't tell you before, I try to give everybody a heads up before they hop on because I'm doing something different for season three. Um, So I'm going to ask you five questions and it's going to be this or that. So you have to choose one of the two words that I'm going to tell you. Okay. Okay. So popcorn or Swedish fish? Popcorn. Snow or rain? Snow. The beach or the pool? Beach. Um, Barack or Michelle? Michelle. And producer or real estate investor? Producer. And that's so funny. You are the first person for season three who just like hit it out. Everybody was like, no, don't make me choose. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no. I'm very decisive. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'm the same way. I'm like, nope, black or white. I got it. Like, I got it down. (laughs) That also has its downsides, though. It does. It does. Especially because the rest of the world lives in the gray. Yes. And I don't live in the gray. Exactly. Exactly. So with the last question, when I asked um, Mm -hmm. producer or real estate investor, when Mm -hmm. I was doing research, I saw that's how you initially, like that was your thing. But how did you pivot from real estate investor to producer slash filmmaker? Um, So one of the investors that I was working with when I was doing real estate had a nephew who wrote a script and he was from Yemen and wasn't really familiar with our culture and everything. And he was concerned that his nephew was going to steal his money (laughs) and he didn't understand anything about like the filmmaking world. Mm -hmm. So he said, you know, I'm going to give you, and he trusted me because we had done a lot of business together. And he said, I'm going to give you uh, a script to read. Let me know what you think. My nephew wants me to invest. And I'm, I just, I'm nervous. I don't know anything about this. I feel like I'm going to lose my money. So I read the script and I thought, wow, this is really funny. I like this. Um, and so I called him and I said, I think your nephew's onto something. He's a great writer. I don't know a lot about scripts, but I have friends at networks and I can ask them to take a look at it, but this looks really good. And um, he says, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to do it. So I said, wow, you know, but this kid, I felt like he had, and he he wasn't a kid, he was a a young man, but he had like all of this potential and these great ideas. And so I called him up and I said, you know, I want to help you. What do you need? And he didn't know me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He did everything. He's like, I wrote it. I want to direct it, but I've never done anything before. Um, But I've been studying and I feel like I, this is my calling. And I said, okay, well, 
I, I will make it happen. And so I took on the role of producer and I spent a ton of money because I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it, the film was called Wings and Beer and it went on to win all these awards. And then I thought to myself, wow, I could do this for a lot of people. If I could just figure out how to monetize this, I can actually help a lot of people who have this talent and this dream to make it happen. And that's how I got started. Wow. That the first thing that like stuck out to me is that his uncle saw something in you that he felt like that you would know what to do. I think that in in itself Mm -hmm. speaks a lot. And then for you to just kind of, I tell everybody, it's like that um, defining moment in your life for you just Mm -hmm. to jump out the window per se and say, okay, (laughs) this is what I'm going to do. Yes. So were there any things in that moment that were like hard lessons for you since you didn't know what to do? Yes. So I hired what I thought was a bunch of experts um, and didn't trust my own judgment through the process because I just felt like I didn't know Mm -hmm. how to make a film. And in the end, I think that I would have been better served to kind of rely on my own um, judgment for certain things. And I think also that's part of being a woman in the industry that you sometimes get overshadowed and you, you know, some people mm-hmm. <laughs> can become intimidated because it's, we still today, it's expected that we don't know how to do certain things. We don't know how to manage money. So they don't want to give us millions of dollars to make, you know, high budget films. Right. Um, the, and, and back then we're talking 10 years ago, it was unheard of. And it, and the only reason I was able to do it was because I put in all of my own money. Because I know that when I called my friends at the network and I was like, hey, I want to make a movie. They're like, well, with what money? And I said, my own money. They're like, you're going to lose all your money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I want to do this. I feel like this is important. So do you so that's think- probably one of the lessons. <laughs> Trust my own judgment. And I I mean, I think that's a very good point that you said about women like that. We don't one, we already have like that external influence that is looking at us like, do you know what you're doing? But Mm -hmm. then do you think it's because like we also doubt ourselves? Yes, we are part of the problem and we accept it. Mm -hmm. Right. I, you know, even with with building this movie theater, I'm the first black Latina to own my own independent movie theater in New York. And through the process, it was a warehouse that I converted into a movie theater and a cafe and just trying to deal with the contractors and all of these people who, you know, are experts at what they do. And I would say, you know, I want this wall to go here and I want this done this way. And they and it was a fight. I'm paying top dollar and it was a fight to get what I wanted because they kept thinking they knew better. But I had already been through this experience when I first started in the business with that movie and all these other things that had happened along the way. I said, you know what? I'm going to stick to my guns. This is what I want. If it doesn't work, it's my money. Mm -hmm. I will deal with it. But you will do what I want. (laughs) But it, it was, I almost felt like I had to become someone else to get it done. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I don't, because we have this whole discussion with, I call them my mm-hmm. sister friend, filmmaker girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that we, and I don't know if that's just something that's taught to us, like as we're growing Mm -hmm. up, like to diminish Mm -hmm. our voice and not to believe that we're able to do something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very good that you pointed out, like even in the process of you doing the movie theater, like you had to say, listen, like this is what I'm going to do. And if you can't do it, I can hire somebody else kind of thing. That's right. That's right. That's right. And it's perfectly acceptable when they do it. Right. You're right. Yeah. Like it looks at, they look at it like, oh, wait, you're the boss. But if we do it, we're Mm -hmm. like kind of catty. Yes. Yes. So I think that's good. And before I talk about um, the movie theater, I want to go back a little bit to you just starting because a lot of women Mm -hmm. who listen um, are transitioning out of a nine to five into the industry, whatever hat Mm -hmm. they are wearing. So do you think that the skills, because that's the thing that women, um, just going back to your voice and recognizing what you bring to the table, they Mm -hmm. look at like, I had all this experience at my nine to five and now I'm pivoting to this. How are you able to trans, well, I guess like transition your skills that you had for your like um, nine to five per se into the filmmaking industry? Well, I have always been sort of in the money business. I'm a business person who happens to love the arts, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of that business experience has served me tremendously in this business. So I don't write or direct anything. Mm -hmm. So I, I strictly am investing and producing. And so all of those skills that I had from negotiating big deals in real estate, trying to find the right you know, location for someone, trying to figure out how that particular product was going to generate money. You know, at what point could that be flipped? It was, for me, it was an easy transition to the filmmaking business aspect of things. I want a deliverable that I can sell. And I now have to find the best people who can make it and trust them to do their job you know, and try to keep them within budget and then figure out once I get this movie and it's done and they're able to give it to me, how am I going to sell it? How am I going to market it? How am I going to make my money back? How am I going to make the other investors money back? So it's, for me, it's always been about the business of it. That makes sense. And I can see that, yeah, as being a a really big asset, especially Mm -hmm. because you are on the producer end and Mm -hmm. you want the, uh, the project to be successful, but you also mm-hmm. w- want your coins back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, exactly. so this is another thing too, um, because you have like a lot of projects now under your belt mm-hmm. and you are, I, I say that you're, you're pretty solid in the filmmaking industry, like where you're going and what you want to do. So what is the issue that you see for women who initially want to start out producing And then I'm going to get into people jumping in your DMs, wanting their project produced. So here's what what was a big challenge for me, is trying to find people to fund the projects. Mm -hmm. So before, right after I did that short film, I I, uh, did another short film. And then I did 12 Steps to Recovery, which was a web series which I really started to see money and really was able to monetize that project. Um, But the biggest challenge is if we wait for somebody to write us a check Mm -hmm. to do that $10 million project, it may never happen. So what I say is take what you have, 
work with whatever it is you have and just create within the budget that you have. And there is a lot of power in creating a five-minute short that you own, that you created with your own money, as opposed to waiting for somebody to give you $100,000 to make, you know, a, an independent feature. Because your power is not the same. I think when you have more skin in the game, and it also speaks to your commitment, to your determination, and that will bring the money. I think there's a lot of filmmakers who feel like, well, if somebody doesn't write me a check or somebody doesn't hire me to direct or somebody doesn't hire me to write something, you know, or if I don't get my script uh, made by NBC or ABC, then, you know, I'm just going to wait. Mm-hmm. Waiting is not the answer. This is the one area, the one career, the one industry where waiting is not good. I'm so glad that you said that because I was on the phone with three of two of my friends and we're just talking about that. And I think that is the issue. Uh, and I'm not going to just say women cause I don't know. I don't really have that many guy filmmaker friends. I have a couple, mm-hmm. but I think that's the thing. I think that I don't know if it's seeking validation because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait, but then you don't have anything to show for that's right. And then you're at someone else's mercy, right? Mm-hmm. That, because it's it, you nowadays, right, with the way the technology is, you can make a film for very little money, right? right. And shorts, short films are not what they used to be. They used to be strictly sort of, in some regards, a waste of money. And they were really just kind of a calling card, Right. And it was kind of what you used to show people what you could do, or it was considered a proof of concept, or it was sort of like a long trailer for a feature film that you wanted to make someday, right? right. Today, shorts, there's even a category in the Oscars for short films, right? Short films, I've had short films on CBS. So there is so much further that people can go with short films. And now you can actually monetize them through different digital platforms, your own platforms. So there's, there's so much more you can do with very little investment. And that can take you and carry you a long way. I'm so glad that you said that. <laughs> because I think that's where also just that women are missing the mark, even when you keep saying in reference to monetizing. I don't think that we know how to monetize it because we weren't taught to look at our art as mm-hmm. a business. That's a big problem. That's the problem that I was or that I am solving with the theater because the theater was created as a monetizing warehouse for artists. And so the way we have it set up, every time you screen, you have the potential to make money and to grow your audience, which are the two things that are most difficult. Yes. Yes. And since you uh, mentioned it, can you tell us a little bit more why you started the movie theater and then even where do you see it going? I'm excited about it. I said I have to come to New York so I can come and visit 
You have to come visit. Um, so, so originally I own the October Film Festival, and it's six years old. And I'm a teaching festival. So, and what I mean by that is the filmmakers come, and more than just screening and showcasing their work, mm-hmm. they're learning. Uh, we're, we're putting them in the room with resources. We create the, a resource lounge so they can come and meet people who can help them find financing, get their stuff out, um, you know, cameras, all kinds of stuff. And so we have traditionally been a teaching festival. And we have been um, empowering and educating filmmakers. But every year they were leaving with the same question. And they would say, thank you for the award. This is wonderful. Thank you for all the lessons. But what do I do tomorrow when I wake up? Yeah. How do I, how do I make, because these film festivals send you home with these awards and then what? Right. And so people were saying, and then, so I still can't get my movie into a movie theater. I still can't make money doing what I do. So people were leaving here with those questions. And so as I thought about the festival this year, I was faced with that question. It's like, do I, do I try to create a solution that answers that question and addresses that issue? Do I pump more money into the film festival and try to find additional ways to help? Or do I make another feature film, right? Those are my three choices mm-hmm. with, the, with the money. And so I thought, you know, we need an answer because what happens is movie theaters can only show a certain amount of films, right? right. They have limited screens. So every Friday, uh, maybe three new films open up, tops, four right. maybe, right? So with those numbers and with the fact that independent films are made at thousands a month, right? Who? What are the odds that you're going to be able to get a theatrical distribution, right? Yeah. So now, so now you're waiting around. You're running around to all of these distributors, begging them to help you get a theatrical distribution, or you try to go to Sundance and sell it, sell your film. But the chances that we can all succeed, or that a lot of us can succeed at that challenge, is very difficult, and and the numbers are not in our favor just sheer numbers, just the amount of films that are created. So I thought, well, what if we remove the gatekeeper and I create a, and I build my own movie theater and we're listed on Fandango, Movie Phone, um, and we're a regular movie theater and they can do seven-day runs that they control. They don't have to sign over their content and they can make money. And we will create a state-of-the-art movie theater, 4K projection, surround sound, subwoofers, you name it, we put it in at a price that they can afford to rent the space. And so those were sort of the mandates in my head. And so at that point, I said, this is, this is the way to go. I'm going to, and then I couldn't buy an existing movie theater because then I'd have to rent the movie theater to the filmmakers for $2,000. And they can't afford $2,000 a day for a seven day run. And how do you make money with those numbers? If you have a hundred seats and you have to pay $2,000 to rent the theater and tickets are 10 or $12, how do you make money? You don't. You can't. 
And then most movie theaters have digital projection, which is called DCP. So now they have to spend an additional eight, $900 to convert their movie so that a movie theater can show it, right? That's an additional expense. So then they're back to square one. They cannot make money. And now a lot of them make these movies and can't afford to show the movie to the cast and crew that worked for almost free because they cannot afford $2,000 for a space. That's crazy. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. So so I, I said, I'm going to build a movie theater. We're going to get a motion picture license, which we have. We're going to get on Fandango movie phone. We're going to be official. And then we're going to rent it. And filmmakers will be able to do a one-week run, a three-day run, a one-day screening. They'll be able to do pitch meetings. Imagine the difference when you're pitching a meet, when you're pitching an investor, mm-hmm. and they get to see your work inside a movie theater while they're eating popcorn. That's a different pitch. That is a different. Yeah. When you're, and now you can show your reel, right? So Mm -hmm. now you could say, this is the work that I've done. Then you can show a presentation with, this is the amount of movies that have been made in this genre. This is how much money they've made. And here is a trailer for what I want to do. And like it's, and they're eating popcorn and having a drink in a movie theater. That's a different pitch than if you're pitching me at Starbucks over a $3 cup of coffee in a crowded room and you're trying to show me on your phone what you've done. And so I I wanted to create something that could change the game and give us an advantage. And so that, that was the whole reason why I decided to build the movie theater. I think that's so awesome, too, just how you link the two together, because you saw, okay, the um, film festival was, well, is successful, and it's meeting the need, and I think that what you brought up the uh, point of, and that's what I even asked somebody before, like, okay, you made your uh, project, so then what's next? And I think that's just really good that, like, you have, in my mind, filled the gap. Yeah. And And also, and because I'm an investor, like I know what we're looking for. It's different when you can say, well, my last movie had a seven day theater run. Yeah. And we sold X amount of tickets and I made X amount of dollars. Even if it's $2,000 that you made, but it shows the investor that you have an audience, that you understand business and that you know how to make money. It does. I'm so right? glad that that's, I found you. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, so that's a different conversation. And that's something that you now can leverage. And you can say, when we make this film, I already have a theater that will run it for X amount of time. Yeah. And and so it's it gives them, the filmmakers, independent filmmakers, an advantage. And that's what we need because we it's not that we are saying we can't hit the ball. We're saying we don't have a bat. Yeah. So we we are at a disadvantage because a lot of people who get in the room and and get past the gatekeepers never come back to get the rest of us. No. That's really the problem. And I have this conversation with executives and people with money all the time. If you give me information, I'm going to share it. So don't give it to me if you don't want them to know. Absolutely. 
because that is, and they're like, well, you know, then what happens? We have everybody and it, you know, and they're concerned about the fact that that sort of reduces their leverage because Mm. now everybody can get to them. I get that, but not everybody is going to come. But at the very least, if there's somebody out there that deserves to be in this room, at least they know how to get in the room and where the room is (laughs) because most of them have no idea. They're waiting for some kind of miracle and they do all these film festivals, which I think are seriously important and needed because it's another way to showcase your work. It validates you, Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't do anything for your career per se, but it does something for your psyche. Absolutely. When you are called to the stage and there are five other films and yours is selected, it doesn't matter. It does something to the brain. It does. And and that's why people say, well, you know, there's so many film festivals and I have lots of, and so that's another thing, like all the film festivals, we talk to each other, right? The Mm -hmm. other problem we had, which is why I started my own film festival, is that a lot of film festivals are political. Yes. Right? So I wanted to have a film festival that wasn't political. And so because I wasn't dependent on sponsors, I didn't have to be political. So I don't have to have movies with celebrities in it, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter. The bills are paid. So whether five people come or 500, I don't need to pick movies based on that. I can pick the best movie that I think and that my team and the judges like. I don't have to say, well, this filmmaker only has five people following him so if we play this movie nobody's gonna come and we're gonna lose money that wasn't my issue so i didn't have to worry about that but i get it right Mm -hmm. and from a business perspective i get that film festivals have that challenge but i wanted to create a film festival where we didn't have to worry about that and that has been the case so we've had films with celebrities in it but not because they have celebrities in it right because the film is good and if that celebrity doesn't show up, it doesn't matter to us. Some film festivals will ask the filmmaker to guarantee that the celebrity in the film will show up. Wow. So do you think that, because I, that's really why, like I started the Creative Outsiders and then branched off and did the podcast because mm-hmm. I went to school to get my MFA in screenwriting. And it was mm-hmm. a very interesting <laughs> experience because I was the only brown girl in the program. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like it was like this hidden secret society that was not going to give out the information we were learning. So mm-hmm. I left like I'm never if I know it, I'm gonna tell people. So mm-hmm. do you believe that the way that you're operating your film festival that you will see others operate that way? Or do you think that's like necess- like a necessity? Because I think that's an awesome idea. Yeah, you know, I think you know, having having friends who run film festivals, Mm -hmm. I understand the challenge. When you have a movie theater that's charging you three, $4,000 to per day or five, 6,000, like we were spending for a four day run, uh, about 12 to $16,000. 
That's wow. a lot of money. That's right? a lot That's of a lot money. Of money. <laughs> and if you didn't already have a lot of submissions to begin with, um, and you don't have a lot of sponsors, you have to pick films that are going to fill those seats. Yeah. So oftentimes, and this is why social media is so important for people in the arts, is because they're looking to see what kind of following you have, and that matters. Yeah. So people are like, oh, I'm getting off social media, you know, well, get off social media, but you better not have a film coming out <laughs> because yeah. how, because right, how are we, how are you going to share that information? How are you going to share the behind the scenes? How yeah. are we going to see who you are and what you're working on? Because the first thing we do when people come to us is that's the stuff we look at. Who do they know? Are we connected in some way? Um, the other thing is I think LinkedIn is the place where everybody should be. I love Facebook. I'm on Facebook all the time, right. Instagram. But the money people, the business people that I talk to are on LinkedIn. They're not on Facebook. And that's so I'm, – that, I'm glad that you said that because I was like just – doing because I'm a geek too like I'm a research mm -hmm. junkie so I just was looking and I was wondering about that because like yeah I love Instagram because it's visual Facebook mm -hmm. I'm like up there hit or miss but I just started to think like are we missing somewhere we should be because yes. that is my thing like I have way too many friends that are very talented and they are doing their work but I feel like mm -hmm. after they do their work it's like a wall and then they don't know mm -hmm. where to go right Right. LinkedIn is definitely, I think it's just a different caliber of people. It allows you also think about this. You need, you know, $5 million to make a feature film. If you're on LinkedIn, you can talk to fund managers. You can right. talk to investment bankers. They can see what you're doing. They can see your worth, right? Facebook, they're not... They're not looking no. for business on Facebook. And even if they are on Facebook, it's for social reasons. It's not for business. Absolutely. So I tell filmmakers all the time, make sure that you are on LinkedIn and that you're posting about work, that it looks like you're serious. No one should be going to your profile and not be able to tell what you do for a living. Yeah. Because there's pictures of you eating spaghetti or you're on the beach. That's <laughs> great. You know, that's wonderful. But if I'm scrolling past the first 10 pictures on any platform and I, or your t last five posts and I can't tell what you do, I'm not going to friend you. Mm. Because, because I, first of all, I'm looking for people who have, who we have things in common or something that relates or some reason why I would want to friend you. If I'm looking and your last five things don't don't appeal to me, I'm not going to I'm not going to friend you because I rather save that for someone else who makes more sense for what I do. You are over here just teaching a whole class right now. <laughs> <laughs> you are dropping gems. I mean, but that's truth because I mean it's I'm the same way. I have mm -hmm. my business um, one and I have my personal Instagram, but even on my personal one, I still talk about like what I'm doing with the creative outsiders. Like I still storytell mm -hmm. some kind of way. So mm -hmm. that absolutely makes sense. Uh, one other question I wanted to ask you, where do you feel like people are dropping the ball? Because now I guess because um, 
the creative outsiders are starting to be out there a lot more and we're doing a mm-hmm. lot more interviews. I now have people jumping in my DMs. And I mean, mm-hmm. it makes me laugh, but I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing at y'all, trust me. But mm-hmm. where are people dropping the ball when they are trying to pitch to you? Like, where do you see there's a disconnect in the pitching process? Not being able to articulate how I'm going to make my money back plus interest. Wow. Okay. That's the, that really is the problem. Like, everybody will start with, this is the best story. This is the best film. This is the, okay, that's great. Everybody starts with that because nobody pitches something they don't think is great. But tell me why. And the why, if you're asking me for money, has to be that I'm going to get my money back. And then I need you to tell me how I'm going to make money on that money. Mm. And that's the conversation that I feel filmmakers, um, they just, they can't articulate it. And I also think it's, it's the presentation. If you are asking me for whatever amount of money it is, you're asking me for a quarter of a million dollars for a project. Mm-hmm. When you come to that meeting, you should look presentable. Number one, you should look like you can carry $25,000 in your pocket. Like <laughs> you have to look like the investment because really it's not the script that I'm investing in. It's in you. It's yeah. in your ability to carry this from point A to point B. I agree. So I think they have to, I think artists sometimes don't do the business thing. They don't dress up. Mm-mm. in a business manner, right? right? Because we're artists. Well, but that affects that affects your message. You know, come dress like that after I give you the money. Right. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think it's that. So it's the presentation. I think it's just not being able whenever somebody pitches me something and I say where do you see this going? Where where would this show live? If they can't answer that or they give me, they say, well, I see this show maybe on HBO. Why? Why HBO? Why not Showtime? Why not ABC? Why not, you know, NBC? Why not in theaters? Why there? And they can't answer those questions clearly. Well, because, you know, I think it would do good there. Well, why? Mm Mm-hmm. Was there another show there that did well? And what kind of numbers did it do? How much did they invest and how much did they get out? All of this is public information. So I think the least you can do is come prepared. Yeah. And I think their version of being prepared is like, listen, I have this great idea and I'm a writer Mm -hmm. or I'm a director. So Mm -hmm. they don't think beyond, yeah, how do I how do I capitalize on this? How is this going to benefit the mm-hmm. person that I'm coming to? Mm-hmm. And how much skin do you have in the game? That's, mm. that's always my question. Okay, this is how much you need, but how much are you putting in? Well, I wrote it. Okay. How much are you putting in? Yeah. Right? Because it's very, it's a different conversation. When you come to the table with your two hands swinging, you really shouldn't expect to eat. Mm. You have got to bring something 
to the table. And if you don't have cash, because not everybody has money, right? right? You can say, well, I already secured Vanessa Williams. I already secured, you know, Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Here's a letter, you know, of intent. Here, you know, or I've already have these five locations locked down. Here are letters that confirm that I can use these locations. It doesn't have to be money. Yeah. Right? Because now, if you come with that, that shows me that you did some work. That you said, I don't, that you're resourceful. You don't have money, but this is all you have. You know, I got this AD and I got these five interns and they're willing to work for free, so that's going to lower the budget. Bring something. But don't just bring this script and lay it on my lap and expect me to make it happen. Yeah, to do everything. Right. Come with what, what, and I often will say, well, what are you putting in? Well, nothing. I don't have any money. If I had money, I would have made it. Yep. Wrong answer. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And I, th- I don't know if it's eat also too, like we are in a microwave society because mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah, sometimes I'm amazed at the things that people inbox me and I'm just like, First of all, I don't even know you. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're asking me, like, to promote your movie. I don't know you. You didn't even, <laughs> like, attempt to email me. Or introduce yourself properly. Yeah. Yeah. Or offer you anything in return. Yeah, like, just here. Because I know <laughs> that you have people who follow you, and they listen <laughs> to you, so do this for me. <laughs> Or, or at least if they said, you know what, I've been listening to your show and I right. heard you talk about X, Y, Z. That's somebody who's invested in what you're doing. Right. Yes. And so, and so they're coming from a place of, I've been watching you and I admire you. And so I would love for you to do this. And in exchange, I can also promote it on my end or something. Right. And it's, you know, some of it is a sense of entitlement. That's mm-hmm. a problem. Because mm-hmm. everybody who's talented feels like other people should just acknowledge it and help them do whatever they need. Yeah, I agree. Yes, they do. Yeah, that's not that doesn't work. And if you if you're able to pull that off once, you chances are you won't be able to do it twice. No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> not. Somewhere happening. somewhere down the line, you're you know it's sort of like one of the issues with with investing and being a producer is that you have to watch the budget closely Mm -hmm. because there's this thing when it's not your money that you're not as careful when you're paying you're not going to do all these frivolous things that don't need to be done no but when it's someone else's money for whatever reason psychologically we feel like oh they have more so we waste it or whatever Um, yeah, so we have to respect other people's money, their hard work. Yes, we do. Absolutely. So where do you, what do you see that is next for October Film Festival and as well as the movie theater? What's the next? So, um, I definitely think I'm going to duplicate this concept, um, in LA, Atlanta, other places. Okay. So that we can then sort of create an environment where we can do our own multi-theater distribution deal. 
Um, and it's not going to be based on who's in your film or whatever. It, it'll be based on other things that are easier for filmmakers to obtain. Um, so I see expansion in that regard. And in terms of the festival, we're going to do more teaching and maybe have smaller sessions throughout the year because normally we just kind of meet for that for the festival and then people go off some of them come back and pitch things and I stay in touch and I'm watching but just to kind of be more connected now that I have a venue and I can do that right mm -hmm. that sounds good and as far as on the producer end do you have any projects that you have coming out anytime soon so I am producing a film. It's called Lola, and it is about a female boxer. Ooh. Yes, and it's being directed by Antoine Allen. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we're shooting end of January, beginning of February. Oh, that sounds good. Yay. Yes, yes. And there's a short film that I'm actually going to read this weekend that I'm excited about. So I'm hoping and praying that the script is amazing because I love the concept. But it's also it's about um, a man who comes out of jail and has been in, in prison for X amount of years and now is trying to find a job. And, is, and it's a struggle, right? Because we don't think about that. Once they pay their debt to society and they come out, we sort of don't want to talk about what happens next. Yeah. We want them to figure it out. Um, but especially for black men, it it's, is, it's challenging because we don't have the same support in our communities that other cultures have. So our uncle doesn't own a store he can put you to work in. Exactly. Our aunt doesn't have a beauty parlor where you could be a barber, you know? Yeah. Um, so now you're coming out to people who also have need and can't help you. You know, they can't put you on, so to speak. And then, so, so how does that person then continue on with their lives in a productive way? Because it's not like they're coming out with a ton of skills that they can use. And if they've been in prison for long periods of time, you know, they're not really in touch with what's happening. They're trying to learn everything all over. And so the short film is really about that journey and somebody who doesn't make it at the end, who who goes on job interview after job interview. And every time that question comes up about his felony, it, it he doesn't get the job. Mm. But incredibly talented, right? He, he, he can do all kinds of things, but no one will give him a chance because of what he did when he was 18 and now he's 40. Yeah, that's so many people's stories. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's more of a conversation starter. So what can we do about that? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a businesswoman, but I am, I'm a servant at heart. And I want, I want things to be better just for everyone. Yes. And, I, and I'm just using whatever power resources I have to make that happen in different areas of my own life. Um, you know, because it's, it's a struggle. I've had relatives who went to jail and came out and it's been, it's been hard and they end up going back in. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's what they know. And then there isn't enough options for them. It's so this not. short film, yeah, is is was written by someone who went through that and almost committed suicide. Wow. As a result. 
of just feeling, you know, helpless. Like I can't get a job. How am I, what kind of man am I? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to read that script this weekend and hopefully I'll love it. But yeah, so those are the two projects I'm working on. Well, I hope that you love it. Cause it sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm excited. Nothing worse than like being excited about a script and then you read it and you're like, and you're like oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. And then having to call the person and explain, right? Why you don't love it? <laughs> yes, yes. That's always such a tough conversation to have. Nobody wants to hear that. No, they're like, Nobody no. Nobody wants to hear no. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is my baby. Why? Uh huh. No, and, and the truth is, I have to be honest, I've produced 16 film, TV projects, whatever it is. I've had some really ugly babies. Oh. Really, really giving birth to some horrendous looking children <laughs> when it comes to the, to the film industry. But I can tell you, I've still got to sell it like it's the best thing since sliced bread. Yep. <laughs> the best thing. <laughs> So, do you have any advice for women who are considering being a producer or even just stepping their foot into the filmmaking industry? Again, my advice to them would be, don't wait. You know, just if, if you want to write, start writing. If you want to direct, start directing. Start at a small scale, but do something. Don't keep waiting, because tomorrow isn't promised. It is not. <laughs> it is not. So let everyone know how they can keep up with you, how they can stay connected, and how they can support you. Okay. The movie theater, the website is Stuart Cinema, and that's Stuart spelled S-T-U-A-R-T, cinema.com. Um, and all of our movies are there. If you need to rent the theater, you can do it right from the website. Um, the October Film Festival is October Film Fest, and that's spelled O-C-K-T-O-B-E-R, Film Fest. Com. Uh, we're going to be opening for submissions in January, and we are actually going to do a film festival uh, throughout the year, and it'll be on a cycle, where the filmmaker that wins will get a theater run here, and all of the money made from the ticket sales will go back to that filmmaker. And we're going to open that up at the beginning of the year as well. That's good. I'm definitely going to send a lot of people your way to apply for the film festival like a lot of people awesome awesome yeah because if a lot of them don't have the money to put down because we're only charging i think we're like 400 for two hours which is nothing yeah that's not bad you can show your film for 400 and we have 70 seats so even if you sold a ticket at 12 or 15 dollars you're going to make money but um some people don't have the money to put down for a four-day run or a five-day run, so they don't have the initial investment. So they'll be able to submit to the film festival, and if they get selected, we'll do the run, and they'll be able to collect the money. Yes, I'm going to send all my filmmaking. <laughs> Thank you. We, we appreciate it. That's why we're here. We built this. We built this for filmmakers and music artists. You know, so we're mm -hmm. we're excited. I'm excited too. It's such a good thing. And I'm definitely going to come and check it out. I think it's an yeah. amazing idea. Yes. Call me whenever you want to come and we'll get together. Okay. That sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. And thank this you for fun. being on. Yes. Thank you so much. I had a great time and you definitely even like gave me a nudge to do certain things. So I'm thankful. Yes. 
Do it, girl. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, you know, my one-liner, don't talk about it, be about it. Go live your filmmaking dreams. Until next time, make sure you subscribe. You reach out so we can connect. And if you have any questions, let me know. Talk to everyone soon.